S&P 500 is up 12.22% this year. It's 20% higher than it was last October, October 12th, when it hit kind of a bottom. And it's about 93% higher than it was back in March of 2020, which I realize is ancient history, but that's probably the last time most people were considering, seriously considering BLI out of the market because it was falling too fast. It is down a little over 10% from its high at the beginning of 2022. So again, the stock market and your investments, if you're an investor in stock market in any form, are either up or down depending on your time horizon. And the longer your time horizon gets, the more up it looks like. And the shorter your time horizon gets, the more down it looks like. Presuming you're, you're not in an individual stock. because well, We're talking about the whole market. Yeah, the whole market. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach with Jake and Jeff McClure, where you will hear us delve into the amazingly exciting world of the dreary science of economics. Yes, where you can hear us talk about inverted yield curves and whether or not uh, uh, central banks should talk about things or just do them. Very exciting things. Oh, well, we actually do have some good stuff in, in line today. While we were will be talking about very dry subjects like unemployment and things like that, we'll have some other goodies like China. There's always some mention of China. Um, what else do we, we have to talk about? Bonds. Um, but more importantly, what's going on in the world and why it's going on. <laughs> and when we talk about the statistics, hopefully we will tie them into what they actually mean instead of just dryly quoting numbers. Though we will begin with disclosures, which are dryly quoted, and then we will follow up with what happened in the market in a dryly quoted way. So prepare to drool in boredom, or if you are weird, enjoy two hours of excitement. Thank you. <clears throat> So first, well, that was the first disclosure, wasn't it? Um, yes. uh, we, we like puns. We're bald. We have beards. There's two of us. Elder Baldy is older than younger Baldy uh, because genetically it's impossible to be otherwise as Elder Baldy Jeff is Jake's father. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That uh, one father must be older than the son of that right. father. right. Right. Yes, unless you enjoy the song "I'm My Own Grandpa," and that's another Which subject. I do. Yes. Which I do. Um, so that was a very long-winded genetic disclosure. Now, next up, um, this is the Personal Wealth Coach. It is a radio program. It is a podcast. It is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. That firm has the same people talking on this program as the principals of the firm. We can't give investment advice on the air. Why? Because it's supposed to be fiduciary, which means in, your, in the best interest of every one of you listening. And we have to keep it private. And we have to know you when we give the advice. Okay, none of that works unless there's only one of you out there and the rest of you agree to stop listening. It might be hard to properly register that. So uh, we can't do that. So what are we going to do instead? Education. We hope we can teach you something. We may befuddle, bemuse, bewilder, baffle, and confuse you all, but maybe there is the potential, possibly, of leaving with something you didn't know before. That's our goal. 
Uh, hopefully, it will help you make better decisions. Secondly, about that same disclosure, just because the firm's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC has put a star on. There's no, there's no gold star that's been awarded, no blue ribbon. They do not give affirmations to the public as to the sweetness of our character or any of that stuff. They're just the regulatory agency that uh, we report to at the firm and to whom our mismanagement or fraud, malfeasance, or all those other bad things should be reported. There. Um, so I've said that uh, we don't pay for this radio program. I know that's weird. It's Saturday morning, and it's a financial program on AM radio, and we're not paying for it. That's There's some kind of weirdness happening there. We're also not being paid, and for some reason... That's weird. We're, we're economists. We're supposed to be, you know, thinking about what's good idea monetarily. And we've been doing this for 26 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Free of, free of any compensation, which is, there's something economically wrong with that. Well, except that we look at this as if we can educate the people around us to make better decisions and they become wealthier because of it, then we're all going to benefit. I know that's weird, but that's the nature of capitalism, so long as we're not beating each other up in the process. So I I have very, very loosely paraphrased John Smith's invisible hand statement there. You can look that up, and I do ask that you do. The Wealth of Nations is worth reading, even though it's written in the 1700s. Um, So uh, you've got a disclosure for us. Yes, I do. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Perfect. We do warranty and guarantee that any any information we do not say on the air is incomplete. Thank you. Oh, I left one part out. We don't pay for this. We do buy advertising on the station. On KTEM and Town Square, we buy advertising. We advertise for the radio program, as does the studio, and we get a discount on our rates, which really tells you something about that. If we're being discounted, it isn't that. Okay, so uh, I don't know why they keep us on. We have been through six owners of KTEM, and I I guess it's just really hard to find people that can talk for two hours straight. I, I don't know. Um, or maybe, I, I don't know. I, I, it's just habit. We're, we're still here. I'm, I'm not complaining, guys. Still sort of enjoy this. This is another disclosure. This is the longest conversation Jake and Jeff get during the week. We get father and son talk time for two hours. It's pretty awesome. And we get to geek out on the stuff that we like to talk about, which we can't have these conversations at the dinner table when wives and children are included for some reason they don't follow along with price to earnings ratios and cap rates and gdp from different countries and methods of reporting for some reason they want us to change the channel at the dinner table Uh, so uh, that's the last disclosure uh now on to what happened in the markets this week on to you something happened did anything happen in the market this week? I think they opened. They had a Monday, and they closed up on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. The whole week had days in it. Um, the earth continued to uh, rotate as it uh, was spinning, as it was orbiting the earth. Does it revolve or rotate? Um, that's a revolutionary idea. It is. So we follow the S&P 500 stock index as the indicator in the market because it is the largest index that is widely reported. 
there's other ends in there's a great deal of debate believe it or not over which index represents what's really going on in the market the dow jones industrial average is reported but I, i've got an answer to that by the way just i'm going to throw this out there none of them accurately report what's really happening right. in the market it's impossible but they all try and that's that so we give them kudos for that back to you sir Lately, if you followed the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500, they have gone their separate ways, at least for a while. Um, and the reason for that is that the stocks in the S&P 500 that are the largest and occupy the biggest piece of it and thereby are driving the prices up and down are generally not in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There's relatively few stocks that have been going up all year, and they're the AI-related stocks in general, the tech stocks, they're called. So... Though when but you think about it, every, use something. everything is a tech stock because if you're not using some form of tech in your company, but, well, well, we are a, a cathedral hand-carved masonry company. Well, what are you using to carve the stone with? Well, these chisels. Ha, tech. I knew it. <laughs> it's a tech company. All right, okay. back to you. Sir. But when we talk about tech, we're basically at this point talking about silicon uh, chips creating <laughs> artificial intelligence. And software embedded into it yes right right that kind of thing this is the tech so of today we've used the s p 500 stock index affectionately known as spx um and believe it or not there are several in there are several identifiers for various forms of the s p 500 stock index i know this is way over the top but it's silly that's right we, we like to talk about silly Econ economists have to love monty python or they go insane so on with the silliness please and now to something Completely different, the SPX. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the S&P 500 during the month of September gradually worked its way lower. Uh, and then as October began, it rose 0.48%, ending the week at 4308.50, which is not bad. But if we look at it in a little longer term, the S&P 500 is up 12.22% this year. It's 20% higher than it was last October, October 12th, when it hit kind of a bottom. And it's about 93% higher than, than it was back in March of 2020, which I realize is ancient history, but that's probably the last time most people were considering, seriously considering bailing out of the market because it was falling too fast. It is down a little over 10% from its high at the beginning of 2022. So again, the, the stock market and your investments, if you're an investor in stock market in any form, are either up or down depending on your time horizon. And the longer your time horizon gets, the more up it looks like. And the shorter your time horizon gets, the more down it looks like. Presuming you're, you're not in an individual stock. because well, We're talking about the whole market. Yeah, the whole market. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Or a diversified portfolio in the market. Okay. So... We follow another index, the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index, because it behaves very, very differently commonly than does the, the large-cap growth index, which is the uh, S&P 500. It declined 1.53% for this week to 22, 27.32. It's down 4.8% year-to-date, but it's up 4.34% from this time last year. Frankly, it probably reflects, unless you're a speculator, and you're heavily invested in large capitalization growth stocks, the CRSP, U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index, probably more closely reflects the average investor's experience in the market this year. And so we have part of the market that's up and part of the market that's down this year. And the part that's up is up a lot, and the part that's down is down a little. We have seen this before, but that's what's going on. And then we talk about bonds, which is a completely different area right. of being up but, or down. <laughs> but before we go on, 
there's an old saying, which nobody seems to be confident who started, a bull market climbs a wall of worry. And if that's true, we must be in one serious bull market because this is about as pessimistic a period when I read the various news sources about the uh, market that I've ever seen. Now, this level of pessimism usually marks the bottom of a bear market. Uh, major market declines historically have come after there is unreasonable optimism or as uh, Alan Greenspan so famously put it, irrational exuberance. He didn't originate that one either. But it's still, we're, we certainly are seeing no irrational exuberance at this point. What we're seeing is massive pessimism. And if history is anything to teach us about that, it is that there is no stock, stock market collapses do not occur during periods of maximum pessimism. More than that, uh, there was a report this week that about 20% of the typical uh, investor's portfolio that is normally invested in stocks and or bonds is in money market funds right now, uh, which means, again, most of what most of the getting out of the market has already got out. And there's a lot of room for getting back in if things change or when things change. So that's where we are right now. Um, now, then we move to the bond market. The bond market has been by far and away, for those geeks who follow markets, the most fascinating subject. Um, it is just astonishing. Uh, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note ended the weekend yielding 4.78%. For those of you who have any memory recently at all, it was down at below 1% for a long time. It was at the low 1% for a long time. And this year, particularly, it has risen all the way to 4.78%. That is, in terms of percentage from where you start, the highest, the fastest rise in interest rates that I can find anywhere in the history of the United States while we've been keeping records. The 20-year bond yield then rose to 5.13. So the 10 years at 4.78, 20 years is at 5.13. And all the treasury bills with less than a one-year maturity, that's the stuff that goes in money market funds, have been yielding around 5.6%. That's an inverted yield curve, which we've now had for about a year and a half or two years. Now, it's hard to understand all that, but let me give you an example. When we When we say it's kind of exciting and scary and if you had purchased a 30-year treasury bond back in 2020 during the pandemic, you would have paid about $1,008 for that treasury bond, $1,000 for, for $1,000 worth of bond, which meant you accepted the fact that you were going to lose eight-tenths of 1% if you held it to maturity. But people were fleeing the stock market and buying bonds, and a lot of people bought those bonds, and a lot of people have continued to buy bonds since then, and even more people more recently. But to give you some idea of what happened there, had you bought that bond for $1,008, and today you have a crisis and you need to sell that bond, it is you could get, as of Friday, $550 for that bond. Now, Thursday is when I, when I priced it. So a something you paid $1,008 for three years ago is now worth $550. In other words, a portfolio, and by the way, I've looked at indices on this, the S&P 530-year bond uh, uh, index lost this amount of money, so it's accurate. You basically have lost over 50, around 50% 50 of what you invested if you sell today. And probably for the next decade or so, this is just a guess, uh, you will be in a severe loss position. And that is a major factor in the United States today. Who invests in long-term bonds? Who, who back in 2020 was buying long-term bonds? And a lot of them. Well, long-term bonds had higher yields than short-term securities. So insurance companies, banks, and pension funds are probably the three largest buyers of long-term bonds over the last several years. And if you 
that's one of the reasons that, for instance, insurance companies don't publish their investment portfolio because if you looked at the value of their investment portfolio, it would scare you. Uh, the banks are required to report those bonds that they're holding to maturity and make it public. And that's one of the reasons we had runs on a couple of banks is because they look at their long-term bonds and realize they've taken some horrendous losses. The Federal Reserve and the Comptroller of the Currency and the FDIC put their heads together and they've come up with a way to alleviate some of that problem. But it's still the biggest bear market in bonds that we find anywhere in recorded bond history in the even in the 19th and 20th century. So it's 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 one of those things that unless you're in bonds or understand bonds, you just don't understand what it what it means. A sudden rise in interest rates in bonds means there is a sell-off going on and the prices are going down, which raises the interest rates. So a portfolio of long-term treasuries has lost about 40% market value, even with the interest reinvested, to get that? Even with the interest reinvested, has lost about 45% over the last three years. Right. So that's one of the things that, that it's big news. It doesn't make the headlines because it's hard to explain. It's hard to understand. But uh, you may know people that are going through some severe losses right now. I mean, this is something that, that we try to make sure people understand, particularly if you're holding long-term U.S. treasuries. If you just hold on to them to the time they mature, you're going to get your money back. But sometimes that maturity date is decades away. Mm-hmm. Minus inflation. Minus inflation. So that's, that is an important factor. It hurts right now if you're holding long-term bonds. There is there's something very significant that's going on here, and that is that a lot of people, at least according to the Wall Street Journal, are liquidating stocks and going into long-term bonds because the longer-term bonds now have higher interest rates. And that is typical of what happens at this point no, in a market cycle. I think you're, you mean short-term bonds. No, I mean long-term bonds. Short-term bonds, too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, that's, the Wall Street Journal refers to that as cash, by the way. Yeah. Ultra short-term bonds, money market funds, the Wall Street Journal calls that cash. But there's also, and I've been hit with a lot of advertising from companies that want me to do this too. And I checked on the flows and it indeed is happening. People are saying, look at that. Look at that 30-year treasury. Look at that 20-year treasury that's now yielding uh, almost 5%. Man, if I buy that now, I can get 5% for the next 20 years. The problem with that is there is a consensus among both the members of the Federal Reserve and the more astute observers of the market, that long-term interest rates are going to rise considerably more than they have already, which means in a stock, if you wait till the market is down and you buy a stock, there's always the potential for earnings to rise into the future, which would make the stock go up. But if you buy a bond, the earnings are not going to rise. What you get is what you get. Uh, anyway, you does, were- Does you that wrap up something. the market? I've been- did we hit everything? I think, did you hit we West didn't Texas do Intermediate? West, West Texas Intermediate crude oil dropped 8.8% during the week to 90. Last week's was $90.77. It's down to 82.78. And that's good news for us because well, A, it's 80, it ceases to. 80% good news. 80% of our listeners will say, woohoo, and 20% will go, ah. Well, there's, yeah. There's some but- oil money around here. <laughs> there is some oil money around here, but they're probably still making pretty good money. At yeah, they are. They are. The, the reason it's good news is it lowers gasoline and diesel and fuel oil prices, which helps the Federal Reserve see inflation going down, which means that they don't need to force us into a recession, probably. And that's it. Okay, I got something. And hopefully it'll finish out the hour. 
Do we see this surge in spending? And interestingly enough, I read articles, and one of them said, with consumers cutting back on spending, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then there's a headline in the Wall Street Journal, Americans are still spending like there's no tomorrow. Yes? There's a question up. I want Steve to know we're going to get to it. We haven't ignored you. Okay. So go ahead. Here's the issue. A lot of people saved a lot of money during the pandemic. After the pandemic, they experienced high inflation. High inflation. Some in- people have asked me, why not leave it at zero? Why is the Federal Reserve looking for a 2% inflation? Because if it's 0% inflation, people tend not to spend money, which takes us into deflation. Almost immediately, yeah. If the prices of things are going up, you tend to spend more money. And the faster they go up, the more money you tend to spend. And people have experienced over the last couple of years a lot of inflation. And B, it hurts. Those who were saving up money to buy houses have concluded they're never going to get a house. So that money is available. And there's a whole series of things out here. They have deferred doing something that's expensive. And they don't want to defer it anymore. The prices they perceive as going up, so they want to get it while they can. And things like you mentioned, the euro being uh, low against the dollar right now, why not take a trip to Europe, is resulting in people spending a lot of money. And as the, as the headline says, Americans are still spending like there's no tomorrow, which is driving the economy faster and faster. Well, Will there, this eventually come to a halt? Yes. Th- wait a minute. Tomorrow may never come. I've noticed that um, every time I wait for tomorrow to get here, it doesn't. So spending like there's no tomorrow, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's what's going on in the economy right now. We still have a lot of juice left to pump into the economy, and it's still going to keep pumping. But it probably will slow down sometime next year. That's my estimate. Um, Pretty much on the wrap up there. Steve, um, we're going to hit your question about macro, what it means, and all that good stuff. Uh, next hour. In the meantime, if you would like to talk to us off the air, yes, these two weird bald guys actually do something for a living. Uh, we are we give investment advice and portfolio management through the Personal Wealth Coach. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us off the air, there's voicemail waiting during the week. Uh, real live people during uh, voicemail waiting during the weekend. Real live people during the week. Uh, the local number is two five four nine four seven eleven eleven. And that's, uh, if you still happen to have a landline, that's one of those things where you actually have to plug a wire into the wall. Um, you can reach us toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can uh, read our newsletter. Sign up for the newsletter. It comes out every Friday, and my personal opinion is that it is uh, one of the best out there. And my professional opinion is that I'm prejudiced on the subject, but I believe it is a very good new- newsletter. Um, the uh, You're also welcome to get that every Friday by signing up for it. You can contact us through the contact forum on the webpage or through email at jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. Our radio program is also available on that website going back a long ways. And if you prefer bite-sized bits, you can find our podcasts anywhere where you find podcasts, which is like saying it is what it is. Until next hour, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.